Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the UW Film Club podcast, where each week we invite a member of the club onto the show to talk about a movie of their choosing. Whether that movie be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between, it's all on the table. I'm one of your hosts, Jim Saunders, and joining the podcast, as always, is Cynthia Lee. Hello. I feel like every time we do that introduction now, I always think, like, well, we're not actually bringing a member onto the show. I was just going to say that. And so we're lying. (laughs) I was just going to say that because none of these podcasts that we've had over the summer have had guests. It's just been Cynthia. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard when like the summer you can't really get anyone to do like a three-way call. Yeah. Well, I mean, if anyone wants to do a podcast over the summer, over the next, what, two months we have, any (laughs) any UW students, please contact us. We'd love to have any and all guests onto the show. I mean... Me and you are pretty entertaining, I'd think, so it's, I feel like it's okay, but true, true, true. <laughs> just every time we do that introduction, because we always do that introduction, and then I'm just thinking, oh, but it's actually not true. <laughs> right. It's just been and, a staple since Greg's, um, since Greg had taken over, so <laughs> yeah, we just go with it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's again us to today so just us just us sorry guys (laughs) but given that we're in the middle of summer Mm -hmm. we're deep into it almost it's almost august that's crazy Um, i know we start school in like a month and a half it's wild i i have a couple friends that start in like two weeks just oh my yeah my brother starts in like three weeks that's that's because of like semester system yeah right crazy yeah we're in the middle of summer so we figured (laughs) (laughs) what what better movie to talk about than mark webb's his best film in my opinion easily easily (laughs) because i've seen i like looked at his filmography and i was like wow that's very shallow (laughs) He's, he's, he's done He's done what? Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Oh, God. Yeah. And he's done... Gifted. Gifted? Yeah. Was, is that it? Which is a, is a movie. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we were talking about the movie where his career peaked. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Wait, <laughs> easily his best movie, which is 500 Days of Summer. Cynthia... Which is totally how... a summer film because it has the word summer in it. <laughs> yes. Cynthia, how do you feel about 500 Days of Summer? So, 500 Days of Summer, this was one of the films that, like, growing up, this was a staple in my mind. I wasn't really, like, so invested in films when I was young, but there were certain films that I watched when I was younger, and they really stood out to me because I'm a huge sucker for the rom-com genre, so 500 Days of Summer was something I really, really enjoyed when I was a kid because it seemed so unique, I guess, in a way. Mm -hmm. The, yeah. And then as I have rewatched it over and over and over again, because I've loved this movie so much, my perspective of it has grown as well. And I think I don't put it as on a pedestal or on high of a pedestal as I did when I was say 12, when I first saw this film. I feel like it's it's not a film that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. I just saw it for the first time a couple of weeks ago. But Ooh. I Whoa, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See the, the first time. that reaction for me is just how high of a pedestal I put this movie on when I was a kid. This film was also always on TV. Like on TBS or TNT or one of those channels growing up, so I always caught it then. Mm. But yeah. I, I wow. don't know. It's it's one of those movies I, I don't know how I never saw. It's like one of those small indie films. At least for me, when I was growing up, it wasn't that like a lot of people around me saw it. I just felt so... Because it's like this indie rom-com. So when, you, when you're young and you discover that indie genre, you feel like you beat everyone to the punch. Right. Oh, I discovered something, something new that, somewhat, that a lot of other people don't know about. It wasn't yeah. as culturally relevant or zeitgeisty as something like we talked about um, The Notebook earlier on mm-hmm. the podcast. 
where I sort of heard, because I, I definitely knew about this film for a long time, but I mm-hmm. never really heard a ton of people talk about it. It was mostly yeah. just through YouTube or other film fans mm-hmm. that everyone really enjoyed this film. But I, th- I feel mm-hmm. like there's a bit yeah. of so ambivalence that was... to it, too. Because I've seen a lot of people that sort of love and hate it. And we'll, we'll get into that's, that. That's it... where I am at this point now. Having expanded my knowledge in film and seeing, being able to see more flaws, I st- I'm starting to have a love-hate relationship with this film. More still on mm-hmm. the love side, but there's definitely points in this movie where like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting you point that out because I feel like we live in such a different era in terms of Hollywood and the entertainment industry and just, mm-hmm. over, just, just in general. We, we live in a, in a post-Me Too world and there's a lot of more so like social consciousness that, yeah. that is attributed by like most movie watchers now. Just going back to, because like, I remember even something like The Blind Side which oh no. was something. Oh no. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I was like, what the hell was I thinking when I was like 10 years old? Mm-hmm. But like, I loved that movie when I was a kid for some reason. Uh, okay. And going back to it okay. now, I'm like, oh my God. Every time I think about that movie, it's not. I would just. I only. I, it's so stupid, but I only think about, wow, Tim McGraw had an acting career. Wow. Because <laughs> Tim McGraw right. is in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and every time I think about The Blind Side, that's the first thing that pops up in my mind, which is stupid, but. I just think it's like. It's like. Uh, it's like the ultimate white savior movie. Oh, it's, it's totally the ultimate white savior <laughs> yeah. movie. But for me, at least, with 500 Days of Summer, there's always seems the rom-com gem- genre, whoa, the rom-com gen- genre itself always seems like this genre that's supposed to be timeless. And then, so going into watching a rom-com, because certain films you need to watch with a certain lens because you know that maybe in the 80s, those things were kind of un- like acceptable as opposed to now, which are right. now unacceptable. I think the for me, the biggest movie of that is, what, The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for a rom-com, I don't necessarily go into the movie with that lens. And so when I was watching this, and I, when I watched this as I'm, like, the age I am right now, I just see, oh, I kind of am a little confused. And it's kind of jarring just to see some of the jokes made within the film that are just not acceptable at all. Right. And that's that's the thing too, is there's points in the film where it almost, I can't tell if it wants you to side with Tom or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel like that would mark a clear distinction as to what like the film is trying to say. Oh yeah, for sure. And, 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 and what you'll take out of it. Mm-hmm. Because I... We can talk I, about I, it later because I think that's a, the most interesting thing about this film is whether this film wants you to be siding with Tom or if it you should not be. I'm in the camp right. you should not be. Yeah. Yeah, same here. But before we kind of dive into that, we should probably give a plot synopsis of the film. Sure, sure, right. So basically, we're introduced to Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, Tom. Tom is this greeting card writer... He is very, the, the film sets up right away that Tom, there's two characters, Tom and Summer. Tom has this very idealistic version of love. Like there's the one and once you find the one, everything just clicks. Where Summer's, who was raised by like divorced parents, thinks there's no such thing as love and that the one is not something that exists. And at the beginning of this film, it frames it as this is not a love story. And so we're introduced to Tom trying to, he's like, as I mentioned before, he's a greeting card writer and he's very bland, I guess. Like the way they colorize the film when it's, when Tom is not with Summer is very brown and beigey. So the only words I can think of about his lifestyle is bland and boring and monotonous. 
Yeah. And um, he meets Summer, who is the secretary, who's just this newly hired secretary at his greeting card company. And he has this huge crush on her. And so basically, like, the first 30 minutes of the film is him trying to woo her into dating him. Um, and then they, they finally do end up getting together. But this is a really important, I think, distinction within the film is that Zoe Deschanel's character, Summer, explicitly says, I don't want to be your boyfriend girlfriend i don't want us to have labels i just want us to be hanging out Mm -hmm. um but tom doesn't really think of their relationship in that sort of way he thinks of it as boyfriend and girlfriend because he has this idealized version that summer is the one for him and the movie is just kind of this struggle between them to kind of get onto the same page right right and the first hour is very cutesy with them like going out on their dates and having fun. I think the most iconic thing is the Ikea, running around Ikea. I mean, to this day, when I go to Ikea, I think about 500 days of summer. (laughs) I just think of, oh, we, oh, our oven's not working. Well, that's why we got a kitchen. We we got a house with two kitchens. Kitchens, (laughs) so, So, yeah, that's pretty much the whole synopsis of the film. Mm-hmm. So for me, the biggest takeaway of this film is we are just seeing a projection of what Tom wants out of a girl. Because mm-hmm. this film is very POV. We yeah. see Summer in the eyes of Tom. So we don't even know if this version of Summer is a r- real thing or not. If this is an accurate depiction of a fictional character, which is weird to say. But if it's an right. accurate depiction of who Summer is in reality. Well, in... You say throughout the first hour, it's all like cutesy and like they're just they're getting together and it shows all the all the good stuff that's been happening. Mm-hmm. But then uh, her or his Tom's little sister sort of consoles her. After Tom's little they, sister like, played by Chloe Grace Moretz. I always forget she's in this movie. <laughs> I I didn't realize she was in this movie, but it's like pre like even like kick ass. Yeah. Gates. Moretz. I always forget crazy. that she's in a shit ton of just random movies when she was really, really young. Like, she mm-hmm. just shows up a lot, and she's, like, 10 <laughs> in these movies. Yeah, yeah. And see, she's sort of the voice of reason, in a way, for Tom. And it was it was at uh, a certain point where she kind of tells him to look at... The um, bad things that happened look, in Look the at the bad things that happened. And then that sort of precedes this whole scene where he like goes to a party and it's the side by side, the expectation versus reality mm-hmm. of what he wants to happen, what he idealizes about, and then what actually happens. And it's completely different. Mm-hmm. And then even before then, after that other scene, it shows uh, these flashbacks of scenes that we previously saw through Tom's lens, Mm -hmm. Tom's like whole rose colored Mm -hmm. tinted glasses. His beige tinted glasses. His beige tinted glasses. Every time he's alone, it's beige. Because I'm pretty sure they did it on purpose, but that beige tone is just, I I don't like it, (laughs) but whatever. I think I think that's also to sort of symbolize that. Oh, he, for sure. He is. Yeah. No. I mean, it's 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 totally intentional that he is like. Oh, he's like nothing without this girl, right? It just always gives me this vibe of like this is an indie movie because look at the color grading we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> this is like totally uh, quintessential, like indie. Well, here. But this kind of just gets into the point of. Are we supposed to sympathize with Tom or are we not supposed to be? And this is the problem. So when I was when I first watched it, when I was like 12, my I'll just say that my analyzation skills were not <laughs> my analytical skills were not as good as what they are now, even though they still suck now. But <laughs> when I was 12, I was very in the camp of, oh, Zoe Deschanel's character is the wrong one because she broke Tom's heart. Because I saw this film in a very 
uh, typical rom-com lens of someone is breaking someone else's heart and um, we're rooting for the protagonist and there's a clear antagonist, I guess, yeah. to say. And we're rooting for the, the the protagonist because that's what we're like, quote unquote, supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then 500 Days of Summer sort of flips and subverts that expectation. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. As I got older, I started to realize that that Tom is kind of very fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> he's very flawed in the way he's thinking. Because as we said, this movie is about projection, a romantic projection where you idealize someone to be something that you want them to be, but they are in actuality not that person you want them to be. Mm-hmm. And there was this interesting thing that popped up on Twitter like two years ago where um, someone tweeted at Joseph Gordon-Levitt with the opinion I had when I was nine, where it was like, oh, I'm watching 500 Days of Summer now. I can't believe Zoe Deschanel's character did that to Tom. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt responds, oh, well, you should look at it again because it's all Tom's fault. Yeah. But the one thing that he says that I think a lot of people, maybe a reason why a lot of people would like like the film is because Joseph Gordon-Levitt at the end was like, oh, yeah, but Tom learns at the end. And for me, rewatching See, it, I don't, I don't think I, he does I at all. I think, see, it's, it's like, I guess he quote unquote grows in the sense where he's not. He stops fantasizing towards um, Summer. But right, at the end, but, when he has that little cute, oh, I'm Autumn, he's doing the same things that he did with Summer, where it's like, oh, maybe this girl's the one, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and it's, I think, I think because he sort of confronts her in, like, he confront he, because he, like, didn't really confront Summer at mm-hmm. all, right? That he had feelings. And so I think the only way he's really changed is that maybe he got more confident, for better or worse. But, the, but I don't, like, that's not, I, that's not where I saw this movie going, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's it's not really a a way of growth. And throughout the film, it's told... So it's literally like 500 Days of Summer being like the 500 days they were together. Mm-hmm. Or they, they were part of each other's lives. And it's um, very... It's non-linear. Yeah. And so it'll flash back randomly to day like 167, day whatever. And the at the very end of the film... There, the clock resets to one when he meets that other girl, and mm-hmm. so in a way, it's kind of saying he's just gonna do the same thing over again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the part for me where it it seems like this film is going in an interesting direction of explicitly, or it's not even that explicit where it's you understand that Tom is at fault. But then it mm-hmm. kind of just erases that notion. <clears throat> Excuse me. It erases it erases that notion at the very end with the reset of the clock, the wink wink, oh I'm autumn um kind of thing. And Right, I I, I totally forgot her name was Autumn for a second. But played yeah. by Minka Kelly. Shout out mm-hmm. that. <laughs> but so I think that is where I stop when I started to kind of rewatch the last 30 minutes and really take in what is going on it started this film started to not be on such a high high pedestal that I put it on mm-hmm. when I was a kid and the more I think about it the more I think that might be as just as, like pretty problematic yeah I feel a little mixed on it as as well just overall because I like how I don't think the film necessarily throughout the duration sides with Tom. Like, I think it's trying to subvert I don't, it. I don't but, think so either. But then I think it falls back into, like, normal romantic comedy tropes. And then we end up ha- feeling like we should be siding with Tom. Right. Because there's, well, think... there's certain lines in this film. Like, remember when he... He got set up to, on a blind date with this one girl 
and then Tom tells that one girl all what's going on, like what happened between him and Summer. And the girl goes, oh, so she said she'd never wanted to be your boyfriend and this was not dating. And he was like, yeah. And it's like those little moments where you understand, oh, Tom is seriously projecting and idealizing. But they're like really little moments where I think, Mm -hmm. I wonder if it would have worked if it was more explicit in that. I think the expectation and reality thing maybe as well, but I think for me, at least the way the expectation reality scene was set up, it feels more as, oh, that sucks for Tom. See, I feel like the film in some aspect with this character should have gone a little bit further. Like, I feel like, I I think that's part of the reason why people still find this film to be pretty problematic and it's because the film doesn't go far enough to sort of give tom enough consequences for his Mm -hmm. actions Mm -hmm. other than Um, like the only consequence is that summer marries someone else Mm -hmm. and it's it's because also like that whole that all happens because of their differing ideologies and Summer didn't really believe in it, but it just sort of happened. But yeah, so where... it's like re- his his own, so um, Tom's own ideology is reinforced by Summer at, towards the end of the film because Summer ex- like explains to Tom that, oh, I wasn't ready to date you because of blah, 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 blah. But then I met this one guy and just three weeks later we're engaged. So your theory makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't, really see it like that i, I saw it, thought more it was like... like explicit at the end of the bench she was like tom was saying oh there's no such thing as the one and then and then zoe deschanel's character was like well, oh no there is that's the whole reason why i'm now married well i didn't i didn't really view it as like it was reinforcing his ideas i read it more as like like he had spent all this time sort of chasing that idealized woman, mm-hmm. right? But then, like, Zoe Dish and Summer just sort of went along with her life, and then it, it, she eventually found that person, like, out of nowhere. And that was what differed them. It's because he was... is because Tom was constantly chasing that person, right? Mm-hmm. Is that making sense? Like, that, that's, that's how I viewed that ending. I guess, I guess. I... I've... I don't know. I just felt like it seemed to reinforce not necessarily like that chasing someone is bad. Chasing someone is bad. Chasing an idealized version of someone is bad. Right, but definitely. I think for me at that that we can agree to disagree, but that last one of the last scenes in that bench where she was like, Oh, I found the one, so you're the one theory is makes sense. And mm-hmm. I think the whole problem with Joseph or oh my god with Tom's character is that because he thinks that the one that his the one theory is good and as actually true then it it puts him in the mindset set of wanting to chase an idealized version of someone right right and so that's kind of how I thought about it by having Summer say oh the one idea is true it worked for me it kind of reinforces Tom to think, oh, the one does make sense. And because Tom doesn't seem like he's grown from the, his lesson of the chase of an idealized person, it kind of felt like, oh, he's going to go chase Autumn now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I see that. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't, yeah, I don't think the movie really does a good enough job to show that Tom has grown. Mm-hmm. Same. And I don't necessarily... Like, that's a really good point. Um, but I don't necessarily think it was just the fault of that scene. Oh, no. Either. Yeah. Like, I, th- I, think, I think a lot of it should have and could have came in the very ending. Mm-hmm. Where it shows... Like, I almost feel like he should have just, like, met that girl and just, like, moved on with his life. Mm-hmm. And not started the, the countdown again. Mm-hmm. Or at least make those moments where it shows that he was wrong from the beginning and sort of amplify them. Mm-hmm. But at the same but at the same time, like I kind of 
like the subtlety in that. I mean, if it is, it's not really that subtle, but I, I like how it's not like super like super in... obvious in a way. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I feel that. It's hard to say because this is, in the end of the day, this is a rom com, so there are certain expectations that we want out of a romantic comedy, mm-hmm. and so vilifying your protagonist is probably not a good idea right and i think a lot of people thought this was gonna go down the traditional rom-com path mm-hmm. and in a way it kind of does but in but in a lot of ways it doesn't mm-hmm. and so i think people think that we're supposed to side with tom especially at the beginning mm-hmm. and we're very much not but that's not something that's really explored till the very end. Oh, yeah, for kinda. sure, for sure. But, again, I don't think it does enough to say that he was wrong. I think if they were maybe more explicit on, oh, Summer said that you're not dating. Because those are the lines for me where I was like, okay, if these lines were said a little bit more, mm-hmm. I think more people would get it. And right. that kind of goes back to that Twitter thing, right? The Twitter thing that I mentioned where a lot of people think that Summer's character is the wrong one. And yes, she is flawed in her own way. She shouldn't have led Tom on for that long. Um, She probably should have just like broke it off when she saw Tom was seeing her in a different way that she she became. But But at the same time, like... At the same time, it's like she established from the very beginning that that's not what she wanted. Exactly. So... Tom should have understood that. Yes, exactly. So it's in that way that maybe they were just, they are more explicit on Summer's wishes. Like just, even just like repeating that line, oh, Summer said she didn't want to date. Oh, I don't, or or Summer said, oh, this isn't a thing. This isn't, we're not boyfriend and girlfriend. Mm -hmm. We're not a thing. We're not that. We're not in that type of relationship. Like just if, those lines were said a little bit more explicitly. Maybe I think understanding that Tom's actions are very not cur- right in sort some ways would have mm-hmm. come through more. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. But I still, it's like hard because even though I'm like I have been like bashing that specific point of the film like I still enjoy this film like I'll go if it was on tv I'll go watch it it's very short and it does make me feel good sometimes or like it makes me feel good when I watch this movie even though it has this somewhat problematic way of wrapping itself up Mm -hmm. so I'm very conflicted I think like the I I mentioned the IKEA scene, the the adult film scene, the karaoke scene. Like the first hour is so cute. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's hard to even even when I was like looking through Letterboxd and when I was re-rating it for myself because I I like to do that. I guess I don't know. Makes me feel better. I was still I was struggling with like. This movie has some fundamental issues, but I enjoy this movie so much. I think um, Joseph, oh my God, I forgot his name. Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel are really, really good in this movie. Yeah, I think think they have good chemistry. Oh yeah, which is interesting. They were really good in this movie, but I haven't seen them in much else in recency, at least. I know Joseph Gordon-Levitt played Looper, which is very weird. And then Zoe Deschanel was on New Girl, but I haven't seen yeah. them do anything significant in the past couple of years. Is New Girl still on? No, okay. no. Okay. <laughs> that ended like I'm... a year ago, I think, though, so not that mm. far. I mean, yeah, this this film is, is 10 years old. that's crazy well it's interesting to see because i feel like there haven't been that many rom-coms like this in the recent years like for some reason it feels like i feel like this movie after this movie it doesn't seem like there were any rom-coms coming out until maybe 
that weird summer resurgence with Netflix, where Netflix was just chugging out rom-coms left and right. But now rom-coms feel like, oh, it's a Netflix thing. Right. They just go straight to the streaming. Uh-huh. I, I think in a way, would you say, like, maybe this film marked the beginning of the end for for rom-coms? I've been thinking about that a lot because I was, like, trying to wrap my head around what other rom-com has come out in that and from 2009 to now what other rom-coms have come in between where they've been kind of other than those netflix movies have been theatrical hits and i'm trying to wrap my head around but it doesn't feel like it i i mean i can think of romance yeah yeah like her or blue is the warmest color Mm -hmm. stuff like that but i can't think of a romantic comedy other than um just because i saw it at, on the itunes stores a couple days ago long shot but no one watched that oh yeah so yeah i forgot that was a thing. but i feel like 500 days of summer like a lot of people watched it probably i'm not too sure about the box office numbers but i'm pretty sure it was really popular and now romantic comedies like something like long shot no one's watching them in theaters and so the they probably will thrive more if they got put into Hulu or Netflix. But mm-hmm. then the romantic comedies that I think are successful are the ones from Netflix, like um, Set It to Up. All the, I mean, to to yeah. All the Boys I Loved Before, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I just looked it up. 500 Days of Summer made uh, 60 million worldwide on a 7.5 million budget. Yeah, See, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, and it just doesn't feel like there is a rom-com like that like that has mm-hmm. has premiered in the last 10 years yeah and I, I can't even think of a ton of rom-coms before it that are that are a lot like it it's had well um, but they we still ha- we still had like the rom-com genre there's very significant ones like um mm-hmm. shoot uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, or Notting Hill, or if you count Easy A as a rom-com, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. Yeah, but it seemed oh, like yeah, there were... Easy A was after this. There were yeah. a, a lot... There were a lot of rom-coms before 10 Days I... Oh my god. 500 Days of Summer. 10 Days I Hate About You. <laughs> 500 Days of Summer. And then after that, it feels like I can't even name any rom-coms yeah. from 2009 to 2019 that have significantly been on my radar. Unless you can. Well, I'm looking them up right now. <laughs> A lot of them seem to be from early... Wait, hold on. Early 2000s? Er- early 2010s. Oh, like ton- what? Um... Crazy Stupid Love was 2011. Oh, I oh, forgot that's a thing. I guess you could count The Big Sick. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> the Big Sick was great. Okay, but I don't think of that as like a rom-com I think of it more as a comedy. Right. But I, I don't know. I just feel like 500 Days of Summer is in the certain part of the rom-com genre that was really popular in the early 2000s and it just died with 500 Days of Summer. Not necessarily yeah. died, but peaked at 500 mm-hmm. Days of Summer. That's a better word. They're, they're, you know, they're slowly fading away or like going to a different location. They're not as, as huge theatrically as they used to be. Yeah, they're now the I- watch it on Netflix. I can put it on the background and then do something mm-hmm. else while I'm watching it. I mean, that's also kind of part of the whole big advent of of streaming now. Because people don't want to go out to a theater unless it's a huge event movie, right? It's so expensive to go to the movie theater. Yeah. Rip movie pass. If it's just, yeah. (laughs) If it's just a small little, like, quaint rom-com, you don't want to go out all the way to a theater when you have the the convenience of a Netflix or a Hulu. Yeah, exactly. That's why Lawn Shot sucked. 
or it didn't suck. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it, but no one saw it and no one mentioned it. And the only reason yeah. why I'm even thinking about it was because I was literally on the iTunes store two hours ago looking at movies to rent or buy. Right. Yeah, no, they're, it's it's expensive to go to the theater. Like, I, I get it, but... But yeah, this yeah. this movie seemed to just mark the end of a certain type of rom-com. That, like, cutesy rom-com that has that has a little something to say that seems unique. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think part of it is how it sort of flips its premise, the, the premise on its head. Mm-hmm. It kind, kind of reinvents itself in a way it 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 all hinges on whether you side with tom or not yeah which is the the whole problem i think maybe that has caused people to see problems within this film yeah because i as we mentioned the film doesn't really explicitly mention who you should side with and so if you're siding with Tom, you're probably going to see, oh, this is a cute love story. And if you're not siding mm. with Tom, you're like, well, they should have been a little more explicit about it. Right. I don't want to say there's a wrong way to No, I don't film. think there is. Be- because everyone watches films for different reasons. If you're watching it for pure entertainment or to feel that cutesy ve- feeling, then by all means, go side with Tom. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I just think that if you are seeing it through the lens that we seem to agree on seeing it on, then we'll probably we'll probably have to analyze how it presents this type of topic. Right. I don't think I'm well versed in this topic, but there's this like manic pixie dream vibe of this film. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I get sometimes. And again, though, I feel like that all hinges on. <laughs> I mean, th- that's all pretty intertwined with the whole Tom conversation. Yeah. And wh- and whether you side with him or not. I just think, now that I'm thinking about this, this film really hinges on the idea of we're an indie cute rom-com. And the more I think about it, that's just very simple. <laughs> like, you have the Regina Spector score playing right. in the background with that very... I can't even like describe it well. It's very airy. This film is it's very like, it's, it's has like, this tone of airiness to it's it. Like, it's like twee. It's yeah. Like twee. yeah, yeah. And there's an ad on the inside of the DVD, and it's like it's like oh, it's an indie rock love story. I'm like, oh, <laughs> indie rock love story. I just can't get over the fact that this film is just so cutesy indie-ish and. That's the main takeaway I have of this film sometimes, where it's like, it's this really light indie film that I enjoyed when I was a very small child, not small child, when I was like 12. And mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's just how I see this film. It's very cute. <laughs> yeah. Would you say it's the tone is contradictory with what it's trying to say? A little bit. Yeah. If we go with the interpretation of it's all Tom's fault, it right. kind because of, like the vibe and tone in which this film rests itself upon is very. I keep using this word, but cutesy. So it, that tone kind of invokes, oh, this should be a love story, even though explicitly in the beginning it says it's not. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of contradicts what. And I think that, again, goes back to the problem of, well, who should we be siding with? Yeah. And um, if we're seeing it through our lens and what Joseph Gordon-Levitt says, which is, it's Tom's fault, well, the tone of this film does not match that. Yeah, yeah. And that's why we, when we say, oh, the consequences weren't explicit, the consequences weren't pronounced it doesn't seem like he grew maybe because mm-hmm. it's the tone in which this film rests upon itself upon mm-hmm. and how he sort of like winks to the audience at the very end mm-hmm. like oh i'm gonna do the same thing over again mm-hmm. i i think yeah i think the ending is m- what my huge problem with it mm-hmm. and I, I don't want to keep repeating myself be- and this is very much like my own interpretation but i i view like the first ha- half or like the first hour or so as just like he's reviewing the relationship through Tom's lens. And so everything's 
super idealistic. Mm -hmm. It's all, it's all the, it's all the good stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And then in the last like half hour, 45 minutes, it's, it rushes the bad stuff. Yeah. It just, it, it very much, which I actually kind of like that, how it, how it, that's sort of rapid because it, it, it hits the audience in the same way it hits Tom. Like, oh shit, this is all the, this is what's actually been going on. Mm-hmm. And, I um, just wish there was more inner reflection of what right. was going on. Sure. As well. Sure. Yeah. But I, but then, but I guess that goes in the point like, okay, this film is explicitly set up and the first two acts are Tom's point of view. It's very cute and idealized and romantic. And then you cut to the, well, this is actually what's happening. And it was actually very toxic. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm. um, so if you're, I mean, if the first two acts are presenting itself, and this is a very romantic film, it's hard to kind of grasp the reality in the last 40 minutes, mm-hmm. I guess. I, I really don't have, in my interpretation of it, I don't have an issue with that. I just have an issue with the ending because, again, it doesn't seem mm-hmm. like his character has changed at all. Yeah, And that sort of frustrates me, given I think that we're not supposed to side with Tom, yet the movie sort of is like, is wishy-washy in its message mm-hmm. because, of, because of the very ending. Mm-hmm. That, that's my big problem with it. Yeah, same, same, definitely. But it's still a fun movie. Yeah. No, it's, I, I, it's one of those I, films that have been, has been within our cultural zeitgeist as well. Not to the level of The Notebook, but... Yeah, I feel like it's one of those movies where it was like, oh, this is a, how I felt about it. Where it's like, oh, this is a cute indie rom-com, but it's an indie, so I'm cool now right. that I like, like this film. Like, it's it's cool to like this yeah. movie. Yeah. It's not cool to like The Notebook. <laughs> yeah, where I feel like, oh, I'm really in, in film now. That's how I felt when I was a kid, when I was watching yeah. this film. I was like, wow, I'm so well-versed in film now because I've watched an indie I feel like this film probably, I don't know about anyone else. And you saw, you said you watched this recently, so I guess you probably don't have this opinion. But I wonder if anyone else kind of had that same revelation as me. Because this film very much presents itself as this indie darling. And I know for me, watching indies, sometimes you feel like, oh yeah, no one else has seen this. I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> when the actuality you're that's not how, that's how that's how i felt about oh my god that's how i felt about sorry to bother you because that was the first like i know I, everyone at film club knows i'm obsessed with this movie <laughs> but and I, I i still am but like i saw it before any of like my film friends mm-hmm. and then i'm like oh my god Everyone has to see this movie. I'm like the first person ever to see this movie. So I have taste kind of idea. <laughs> like this movie is weird as fuck. And because it is, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm the trendsetter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely feel, understand that feeling. Yeah. That was my feeling watching um, 500 Days of Summer, mainly because no one else when I was in middle school, or high school talked about this movie. And then I was mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, this is so unique, and it's indie. Oh, my God, I'm so I'm so unique. And in reality, so cool. this is, like, one of the most well-known rom-coms in our generation. Yeah. Yeah. I've started to lose that now. Like, any movie I watch now is just like, oh, yeah, I watch it. Unless I watch this weird art house film, and I'm just like, holy shit. But then no one else has seen it, so I can't talk about it yeah. with anyone, and so it doesn't really matter in the end. Yeah, I overall I, don't I, be pretentious. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. I've been that way about movies. I've been that way about bands. And I, I, I regret it. I regret it. I think that's a good note to end on. Don't be pretentious yeah. about movies. Don't be pretentious. And don't be like me when I was twelve, thinking that Five Hundred Days of Summer was some revelation that you only discovered. <laughs> if you see the Five Hundred Days of Summer. And you think you're special. <laughs> I think this whole you're, podcast you're has just been me me realizing how normal I am and average I am. And you just be like, yep, yep. 
Oh my god. Um, this has nothing to do with with anything, but I was. Do you know Death Grips? Yeah, I love Death Grips. Oh my god. So like, <laughs> I was also the first of my friends to like discover Death Grips, <laughs> and then I was like. Oh my god, guys, this is, I just discovered this new band. It's like this weird, like, experimental hip-hop. Did I just break your heart? <laughs> that I know Death no, Grips. I have, like, I talked to so many people, like, from UW. They're like, Where? yeah, I know Death Grips. And I'm like, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, them, uh, fucking... Uh, I, I love the 1975 so much. Mm -hmm. But, like, they're not, like... People know the 1970s. Like, it's yeah. not. They're, they're not, not. They're not, like, not well known. Yeah. Uh, Though I met a surprising amount of people that, like, that know Death Grips that don't know the 1975. Oh, really? So, I think so I was weird. introduced to Death Grips, like, early high school just because someone was like, yeah, this song's super weird. I first listened to, like, Guillotine, and I was like, oh. my oh. God. Yeah. My friend, sh my friend showed me show me guillotine i'm like this shit's awful like, what, what is this and then i listen to money store and i'm like oh dude this slaps yeah exactly but i will probably won't keep that anyway <laughs> that was funny but moral yeah. of the story of this pod i guess if you get anything out of it don't be pretentious don't think exactly yeah. but yeah don't be pretentious and yeah, I still recommend this film, so it's cute. There's some interesting things going on, like the change in color grading, and there is an interesting subvert subversion of the rom-com happening and the analyzation of some double standards that we have, but... Mm -hmm. So, it, if anything, there's some interesting things to see in this film. Also, it's a, it's a good time. It's a good time. It is a good time. It is a good time. Closing thoughts, I guess? There's not... I guess those were my closing thoughts. I mean, yeah. I, I would still recommend it. I just don't put it on a high pedestal like I did when I was young. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess my closing thoughts are just... I feel like this is a movie that if you saw it when you were younger, you have to return to it. Mm -hmm. I feel like it would be a much different experience if I had seen this when I was super young. Mm -hmm. And then went, and then went back to it because I feel like my perspective would have totally changed. Mm -hmm. um, but even if you haven't, I would definitely recommend checking it out and just see where you side. Mm -hmm. I I'm not gonna say that there is a wrong way to interpret this film, but I hope I, mean... <laughs> <laughs> I, we, I think we've expressed our opinion of which way that you should see this film. Right. <laughs> but, right. But I mean. Again, also, I mean, at the same time, I suppose go into it without any bias. Um, I mean, go into any film without any bias. Um, just come in with your own opinion. Be ready to be open-minded, to have a conversation, and uh, hopefully have fun. Because this, this is a fun movie. Yeah. I, I enjoyed watching it It is a, a rom-com through and through, and rom-coms yeah. are supposed to be lighthearted and fun. Well, at least yeah. that's why I like the genre. Another thing. Would you consider La La Land a rom-com? No. <laughs> it, it, it showed up when I looked up rom-coms from 2010. The 2010s. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think La La Land is funny at all. <laughs> There's some, like, blips in which Ryan Gosling or Emma Go like Stone riff at each other, but it's not, like, comedic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> If anything, yeah. it's a musical through and through first, in my opinion, and then a oh, romance. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, so, no, totally. Rom-com. Okay. That's, it's like how Babadook is um, queer. It's a queer film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> queer um, icon Babadook. Hell yeah. <laughs> I wonder if there's anyone who dressed up as the Babadook at Pride. I'm sure there was, I'm sure there was somebody. Oh, for sure. I mean, they're selling um, Babadook Pride edition. It actually looks the, cool. I kind of want it. The cover? Yeah. yeah. I'm not even really a huge fan of that movie, but like, I'd, I'd buy that. It's a cool cover. <laughs> but yeah. Um, anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> um, you can find us on Facebook at 
UW Film Club, and then at Twitter and Instagram at Film Club UW. Uh, listen to our podcasts either through SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. Next week, we'll, we'll be talking about another film. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to, we don't know yet, but I think it's Quentin Tarantino related, possibly. It we're always be. a week behind these things of yeah. what is trending. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> we try our best. But yeah, it will more than likely be some Quentin Tarantino related because by the time this goes out, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will be out. I will have seen it. Cynthia, I don't know about you. I don't I think I have, but I'm very excited just because I'm just very excited. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Tarantino. It's, it's hard not to be excited when... Well, the topic I, is get. something I love. It's like yeah. about old Hollywood and then the Manson murders. Like, I, I'm into right. that shit. Yeah. Which says a lot about me, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just exciting to see, like, a big name making an original film at the same time that we get shit like <laughs> the lion king remake. we need something this summer has been so slow like i was mm -hmm. like i was i wanted to hang out with a friend and we were thinking oh let's go watch a movie and we were looking through all the lists of movies like wow there's nothing and so i Action. ended up seeing spider-man <laughs> i'll say this crawl I was actually it's a good. ton of fun. <laughs> yeah. It was a ton of fun. Like, it was a horror thriller, but, like, the characters weren't entirely stupid. Mm -hmm. Like, they actually it, had the logic. The trailer seemed like they were stupid, so... It's... Yeah, the trailer wasn't great, but, um... <laughs> ah, yeah, it was just it was just a lot of fun. It was... It's only, like, it's only like 80 minutes. Hmm, okay. It's, it's one of those, like, tense, uh, claustrophobic... Mm. horror thrillers but it's like cut like it's free of all the bullshit mm -hmm. like it, it it just is it's it's all killer no filler it's, <laughs> all killer it's no filler. all killer no filler whoever is pretty, reviewing that movie should say that <laughs> yeah I, I got i got that from i think it was anthony fantano said that oh <laughs> um uh that's how i heard about that that's how i knew about death grips <laughs> anyway 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 um, but yeah, if you want to see a movie, I, I, I don't want to say highly, I recommend that film. <laughs> like if you've seen all the things you've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but The Farewell comes out soon, so everyone should check that out. I'm just going to ride and die on The Farewell for a while for every definitely. single podcast. Just be like, yeah, see The Farewell. <laughs> yeah, I, I still need to check that out. But yeah. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> we just went on a rant about yeah. new movies we saw. <laughs> basically. Basically. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, see you guys next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>